Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including gathering times and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. Good morning, church family. Glad that you are here with us today. Welcome those of you on live stream, traveling wherever you are throughout the beautiful Pacific Northwest, or those of you worshiping with us in your homes. We're glad that you are with us as well. My name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here. And a couple of announcements I want to just bring to your attention this week. One is that our worship and arts team, this is a big week for them. One, Kurt Trine, who's up here doing everything behind the scenes. This is his first weekend with us, joining us as our new director of tech. Celebrate Kurt with us. Then also, over the last few months, we've been on a search for a new worship leader, and I'm pleased today to announce to you that we have taken Greta through some interviews. We offered her a job. She accepted, thank God. And uh, this is her first weekend officially on with us. So would you welcome Greta? And would you just join me? I just want to pray for her as she starts her ministry here formally with us here at Sam Alliance. Would you just join me? If you feel comfortable, you can extend a hand, but let's just, let's bless her. So Jesus, I just thank you for Greta. I thank you for the beautiful voice that you have gifted with her with, and I thank you that she is using that to honor you, to glorify you, and to lead others into your presence. She's been doing that with us here for a while, but Lord, as she steps into a new level of authority in doing it, I pray that your spirit will come upon her, Lord, that you would continue to utilize her. I thank you for the humility you've given her. I thank you for the maturity beyond her years, and we just pray for more of that. Wisdom, discernment, just a sensitive ear to your spirit. Lord, as she continues to just take us to your throne, would you gift her? Would you protect her? Would you bless her? We thank you for the gift that she is to us, and we just, we're so grateful. So we bless her now, this morning, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, let's celebrate that again. Another announcement I want to bring to your attention, many of you are already aware, you've seen our posts on Facebook or different things, but we lost a matriarch of the church, of our church family here at Salem Alliance. Dee Bubna passed away this past week. Don and Dee pastored this church for 23 years, and anyone that was around in that season, you talk to anyone, they'll tell you they were good years. They were great years. Growth spiritual formation, incredible things were happening during that season. And so we just wanted to honor her today, let you know of her passing. Uh, Continue to tell the stories of what she meant to you in your life. Many people have been posting condolences and just memories on Facebook, on Instagram. We just encourage you to join in that. But just tell the stories of what she's doing. We'll celebrate her on uh, August 14th here with a memorial service Sunday afternoon. But just we're, we're just so thankful, those of us that got to know her in any sense, we're blessed by her. One of the posts on Facebook this week, I just really appreciated. Someone wrote, Don is incredibly excited right now. He's doing backflips as his bride comes to be with him. And they're both excited as they are in the presence of their king, the one that they place their allegiance in. Also wanted to let you know that right now there is a group of 55 that are traveling back from Orlando, Florida. They're on a plane right now. Our students that went to the Life Conference, uh, many of you will be traveling to the airport later to pick them up. Uh, but this crew had an incredible week. I've been just hearing different stories that have been, that Pastor Brandon has been sending me and just the story, they're incredible. 
One story is of one of the junior guys that went to a seminar, and he's just been dealing with a lot of a, sh a lot of shame because of some past things that he's done. And he he came out of that and was just told his leader. He said, "I haven't felt freedom from shame since seventh grade. Just freedom." We had eight of our students that went forward to make commitments to, to go into full-time ministry. Two of them, recent graduates, that said, I'm changing my major when I get back. 17 of our students got baptized. You can celebrate that. That's a big deal. And so we are just so thankful that they were able to attend this conference with 6,000 other high school students. God moved. You can go online and see some of the, the messages that were given, experience the worship, and see the energy. It's a lot of energy. Uh, but they'll be back later today. We look forward to hearing more and talking more about their stories. Also this week, we are launching a new series called The Bible Says What? The Bible Says What? We're going to be looking at some interesting passages in Scripture. And before we dive into one today, I just want to draw your attention to a specific Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. This is one that every one of our RTI students has to memorize. It's a pivotal, foundational verse. I'm going to read it here. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> the word of God is inspired. It has authority over our lives. We come under it, as we often say here at Salem Alliance Church. But one of the things I love about this book is those that decided what would go in it decided not to leave out some of the ugly stuff. Some of the difficult stuff, some of the messy stories, they didn't edit them out. They're here. And I think that's part of the beauty of scripture. It's not always easily digestible. Many of you have questions as you read it and you probably come to certain passages and you're like, oh, okay, I'm just keep going. We'll just keep going here. But our goal here in the coming weeks is to look at a couple of those passages, some more complex than others, and we want to do so with incredible humility. Some of the passages that we'll look at, there are different theories, different just interpretations of how those could be, and we might even share some of those. But we're going to go after it with humility. I, I know where I'm going today, but, you know, one of the guys that's going to preach later in this sermon series, he's not sure what verse or what passage he's going to tackle, and I'm just thinking that maybe some of you want to give him some help. So you could just throw maybe a complex passage at this guy. Just email him at bcandelo at samalliance.org. Um, I know I'm going to be sending him an email later today. I'm going to recommend 2 Kings chapter 2. There's a story of the prophet Elijah and these youth come out and they mock him because he's bald and he gets angry at them and calls a curse on them. And then these two bears come and maul 42 youth. And why is that in here? Well, Brian, maybe Brian will tell us. I, I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see where this series goes. But, um, but please, do harass him as much as you can. <laughs> today, I'm going to opt for a little less bizarre passage. And today, I want to just draw our attention to a story that happens in Mark chapter 8. You can go ahead and turn there if you want in your pew Bibles or on your app. But I'm also going to put it on the screen. This is an interesting healing story, healing of a blind man. I'll be reading chapter 8, verses 22 down to verse 26. I'll be reading the NLT. Mark chapter 8, 22 to 26. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. 
Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them very, very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hand on the man's eyes again. His eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back into your village on your way home. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this story from Scripture is clearly not going to be as controversial or strange or bizarre as some of the ones that we'll be looking at in the coming weeks. It does pose some interesting questions. Did Jesus really spit on somebody? What was the deal with the two-step healing? Did he fail in his first attempts? What's going on here? Is there a lack of faith on the side of the disciples or on the blind man himself? Is this to be a guide for us on how to pray for healing? It seems like the moment Jesus touches this guy that he should be healed, that his sight should be 20-20 and completely restored. There's some interesting questions that we can see here in this text. In this series, our, one of our goals is to provide for you some simple tools of the trade on how to interpret Scripture, on how to read Scripture in a better way. And today, I want to share one of those with you, a tool of the trade. It's a fairly basic and obvious one. It's simply pay attention to the context. Pay attention to the context. Read Scripture in context. The larger chunks you read, the better you see, oftentimes we are guilty, I am guilty of just pulling out a verse out of context and using it to make it say what I want to say. But we have to be careful not to do that. And you see, here in Mark chapter 8, he's not just stringing together some random stories. What's happening <coughs> before and after in this story is really key. You see, this story, this chapter is an incredible journey of discipleship that's going on. And what he's actually doing, when you look at what's happening before and after, it's quite strategic and brilliant. There's a theme that is happening. My hope is that this morning you will see that the context gives life and new meaning to this healing story. See, I believe that Jesus is operating on one, more than one level here. I believe that, yes, he is healing a blind man. He's doing so compassionately and with great humility. And at the same time, he is making his disciples incredibly aware of some of their own blind spots. He's doing both in this story, and I hope that we see that today. What I hope that you walk away with today is that understanding that spiritual growth and healing are often not instantaneous. That spiritual growth and healing are oftentimes not instantaneous. In fact, oftentimes they're gradual, and I hope that we leave today being okay with the gradual. You see, if we are to look at where Mark places this story here in Mark chapter 8, we will notice that the way the chapter starts is Jesus miraculously feeds 4,000. I mean, it's this incredible miracle where they only have a couple of loaves and a couple of fish, and yet they're able to feed 4,000, and then also the women and the children, the entire families, and there's still baskets of food left. 
Well, after this miracle, Jesus takes his disciples, they get in the boat, and they go to the other side of the lake. And right away, they're confronted by the Pharisees, who are demanding a miraculous sign of Jesus. And Jesus, it says, Mark reports that he says he has a deep sigh, almost a deep sigh of frustration. And he says, you're not going to get a sign. And he takes the disciples, and they get back in the boat, and they go back to the other side of the lake. And the interesting thing is that the disciples are in the boat, and what are they talking about in the boat on the way back over to the other side of the lake? They are not talking about the confrontation that just happened with the Pharisees. They're not talking about the miraculous feeding of 4,000. They're talking about what are they going to eat for lunch. And they're arguing because no one brought lunch. And scripture tells us they only had one loaf of bread. And Jesus hears the arguing and he's honestly kind of frustrated. My disciples, really? You still don't get this. How quickly you forget. I love what he says. Notice the words right before the healing of the blind man to the disciples. To the disciples, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed 5,000, when I fed 4,000, don't you understand yet? On one level, Jesus is using this healing opportunity to compassionately heal a blind man. And on the other side, he is using it to expose and bring awareness to the blind spots of his inner circle. He's telling the disciples that they are not seeing the full picture of who he is and what it takes to follow him. He's awakening them. You see, there's a gradual illumination that is happening among his disciples They aren't fully seeing it, but understanding is coming slowly as you read their discipleship journey. As they walk with Jesus slowly, gradually, revelation is coming. Gradually, they are understanding, but do you notice it comes in stages? He is gradually, patiently allowing them to discover who he is and what it means to follow him. And that's an important word for us. Because church family, I believe that we often want things immediately. I know I do. But sometimes gradual is a good thing. Sometimes gradual is a good thing. Those of you that are parents, you understand that moment where you leave the hospital with your firstborn and they make sure that you know how to put a car seat in the car and then they help you strap your child, your newborn infant into the car and you drive off. And if it was like me, Jess and I looked at each other like, they, they think we can do this? Oh my goodness, here we go. Well, by the grace of God, that child is not able to run around. Right? You put the thing on a bed. They can't even roll over. That's the grace of God. That's, that's what gradual changes. You see, gazelles are born. They can stand right away. They start jumping pretty quick. Thank goodness children are not that way. Thank goodness humans are not born that way. There's a gradual progression to their mobility. They can't move at all. Then they can roll over. And you got to add some pillows on both sides of the bed. And then all of a sudden they start to crawl. And it's like, oh, you got to up your game again because they're crawling. Then you got almost a year before they actually can walk. That's grace. That's gradual. They can't even run yet. I mean, those of you that, you know, your first kid, you're like, oh, they're going to walk. You're trying to get them there at like seven months, eight months. You're so excited. And then you get to a fourth kid like mine. You're like, stay down. (laughs) Stay down. We uh, We don't need this. Gradual is a good thing. 
The revelation of who Jesus is began when he called his disciples, but it was mixed. It was mixed in with their misunderstandings, with their, their cultural assumptions, with their, their personal desires and ambitions, of which they had many. And each of these things are preventing them from seeing clearly who Jesus is. They have blind spots in church. So do you. So do I. Back to the context of what is happening here, the gradual discovery of who Jesus is. And you'll notice the story. After Jesus heals the blind man, he is with his disciples again. And he asked them, who do the people say that I am? And the disciples answer, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets returned. And Jesus looks at them and he says, but who do you say I am? And guess what? Peter moves from being blind to who he is, and he gets it. He gets it. He says, you are the Messiah. It's powerful. The discovery that has happened, and now the illumination that happens for all of the disciples in that moment. You see the progression. They're not getting it. The blind man is healed. Peter gets it. And we see the discipleship journey. But just like your story and my story, it's not all good. Because what happens right after that? What happens right after that is Jesus begins to tell his disciples about his impending death. And he predicts his death. And Peter takes him aside. And Peter reprimands him and says, that's not how it's going to go. And Jesus says to him, get away from me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not God's. Okay, maybe, maybe they don't fully get it. Maybe they're still on that discipleship journey. Maybe the illumination is still happening gradual, but at least this time, Jesus gives them a new clue. Stop looking at things from your human perspective and start seeing things from God's perspective. And so goes my journey and your journey of who this Jesus is and what it means to follow him. Gradual illumination. This entire chapter is about the discipleship journey. We start to see more clearly who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And then we hit these bumps in the road, this doubt and confusion, which is mixed with new clarity and new insights as we read the word of God and hear his voice. And as you journey, would you remember that he is patient with us? And so we press on, and the gradual illumination comes as we read his word, as we interact with others, and as we listen for his voice. As I pray for people, the church, my family, for myself, one of my favorite things to pray is that people will be blessed with fresh revelation. John 16, before Jesus ascends, he tells his disciples, there's so much that I want to tell you. There's so much that I want to illumine to you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Well, church, I bless you with fresh revelation because the spirit has come. And I bless you with fresh revelation as spirit-filled followers because that is so important. It keeps us from being stagnant. It keeps us from, from just being content because there's more depth for you. There's more depth for me. Here in this context, the blind man needed a second touch from Jesus. And the disciples that were gathered with Jesus outside of the village of Bethsaida needed a second touch from Jesus to see more clearly. And the disciples that are gathered in this room today need a second touch from Jesus so that we also can see with greater clarity. Friends, I still see some blurry trees. 
I still have some blind spots as to who he is and truly what it means to serve and follow him. May we all remain hungry and desire to see clearly. And may we recognize that he is patient with us on the journey. Can I challenge you this week to ask him for fresh revelation? Ask him, where am I blind to who you are and how you want me to serve and follow you? Ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask him, ask him to see his face. On one level, Jesus is awakening his disciples to the blind spots that they have. And on the other level, we see an incredibly, incredible, miraculous healing of a, of a blind man. A person that was blind has received their sight. And it is a powerful, powerful thing. There's a gradual restoration, a gradual restoration of his sight, a gradual healing for this man. Some say, in a sense, that Jesus is simply using this man as a prop to awaken his disciples. And I would push back pretty hard on that. You see, I think that there's a lesson here for us. I know there's a lesson here for me. I'm a, I'm a results-oriented person. Those of you that know me well know that that is very true. That's an incredible strength of mine, that I get stuff done. And you know what else? Sometimes I become too results-oriented, and, and then my strength becomes my greatest weakness because it's overdone. And it's an issue that sometimes I can value getting it done or accomplishing something more than people. And here's the issue. The kingdom of God is all about people. So I need to be careful with this. And here in this story, I think we see something. See, when we look at things from a kingdom perspective, the process is incredibly important. The process is part of the beauty. The process brings incredible worship. You see, recognize here that Jesus has healed before with a touch, with a word. People have been healed when they simply touch Jesus. Jesus healed the centurion's daughter, and she wasn't even in the vicinity of where he was. Why doesn't he just heal the man there in the village with the people around? Why doesn't he simply heal him with a word? I believe it's because Jesus is incredibly compassionate. I believe it's because Jesus is helping this man write his own discipleship journey. You see, Jesus takes this man by the hand away from the crowds outside of the village where he can spend time with just him and his disciples. Jesus spits on the man's eyes. And while that is almost, it's, that is offensive in our culture, while that is incredibly strange, while that is something I, I hope you don't do and see as a way that you should pray for healing for people, Historians would tell you that in this context, it was actually an incredibly compassionate thing. That the warmth and the moisture of the saliva would have brought some immediate relief to this man's eyes. That, that saliva was thought to have some initial healing properties. And so Jesus, in an intimate, compassionate act, puts his saliva on the man's eyes. It's powerful. It's, it's, it's almost as powerful as Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, this strange, intimate, compassionate action. And, and Jesus doesn't just heal him immediately. He takes this two-step process, and he's interacting with this man. He's talking to this man. Can you see clearly? No. People look like trees. Okay. And he puts his hands, and touch happens again. And the man sees clearly. And he tells the man, don't go back into the village. I didn't heal you for my fame. Don't go back into the village so that there's an uproar and people get excited about me. 
Just go home. This isn't about me. This is about you. You've received your sight. It is a powerful, gradual restoration that this man undergoes. The process of healing for this man was rich. I imagine that if this man had just been healed with a simple word or a simple touch among the crowds there, that years later he would tell the testimony of the miracle that walked through his village and restored his sight. But that's not the story we have. And I imagine that years later, this man's testimony was much different. This man's testimony was a testimony that said, that one that so many are following now, I know him. I spent time with him. He held my hand. He listened to me. He cared for me. Jesus didn't just return his sight. Jesus helped him start a discipleship journey, a gradual journey. In church, it is powerful. What king operates like this? What God steps into our messiness? Gradual illumination. Gradual restoration. These coupled together remind us of our future expectation. This gradual healing of the blind man, the disciples' inability to comprehend fully who Jesus was and his patience with them, they remind us of our current situation, of our place here on this earth, with our limited understanding, with our ailments and pains in this world, but they point to what is to come. They point to our future expectation when we will be in the presence of the king, when our eyesight will be 2020, when our ailments and our pains will be totally gone, when we will be walking with our creator, the way it was intended to be face to face. Church family, this is our hope. This is the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. This is the future for those of us who have put our allegiance in Christ Jesus, regardless of how clearly we see and understand him in the here and now. One day we will see clearly. One day we will believe fully. One day we will be healed completely. There's a gradual illumination that's happening in your life and mine. There's a gradual restoration, and there's a future expectation. It's the journey we are on. And as we are on that journey, can we be okay with the, with the truth that it's often gradual? Because sometimes gradual is good. It's actually for our benefit. And as we're on this journey, can we value the process over the result? Because it's oftentimes in the process, in the difficult process as we worship, that we bring the deepest level of worship to our king. A week or two ago, I had the opportunity to go on a walk with a friend of mine, Natalie Warren, who attends here at Salem Lions. And Natalie, if you're listening in on live stream today, thank you. Natalie shared a bit of her journey with me, and I asked her if she would put it down in a letter form and send it to me, because I think it's an important one for us to hear. She did that, and I received that earlier this week, and I loved just the heading of her email. This is my story of being healed of my need to be healed. I want to close with her letter this morning. I believe in Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals I believe in the great physician. Throughout my life, I have had times when I was supernaturally relieved of physical symptoms, and I know that my body, which has been fearfully and wonderfully created, is constantly working by the grace of God to heal itself in multiple ways. 
However, eight years ago, I was blindsided by a diagnosis that left me quite undone and changed my life. Even though it is rare for someone of my age to be pronounced with diabetes 1, sure enough, that is what my doctor told me all the tests and symptoms pointed to. My pancreas had stopped working, and for the rest of my life, I would be insulin-dependent, going through countless finger pricks, needles in my stomach, life-threatening blood sugar highs and lows, using alarm-equipped continuous glucose monitors, and implementing a major change in my eating habits. I grieved. I sobbed. I took long walks where I talked ugly to God. I begged, pleaded, and bargained with him. Friends and pastors prayed for my healing. Over the passage of time, I listened to many stories of others being healed, of ailments such as headaches and infections and visions and hearing problems and even some of cancer. But never often, never once did I actually hear of anyone who had been healed of a chronic disease like mine. It just seems that God rarely heals those with things like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, ALS, cystic fibrosis, Crohn's disease, or diabetes 1. Then as I grappled with my new reality, the Holy Spirit began to point out things that gently erased some of the fear and anxieties that I had. I found multiple passages of scripture that spoke deep encouragement, and I became more open to the stories of those God had spoken to about similar struggles. It was about that time that Bart Millard, the lead leader of the band Mercy Me, came out with the song, Even If. It's written about his own young son, a diabetic one son. And the lyrics say, I know you're able. I know you can. Saved by the power of your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. To me, that is where the rubber meets the road. Is Jesus enough or do I need Jesus plus a healing? I've come to the conclusion that Jesus is enough. Jesus is beside me every step of the way. He knows everything about me and can handle the ups and the downs of my chronic disease. I heard him say, settle down for the ride. It's going to be bumpy, but you've got me. And I can ask for nothing more in my life. And it's her last paragraph, church, that I ask you to pay attention to. And the story hasn't ended. We don't get to choose our preferred crosses, but we can learn from them. Patience, empathy, compassion, gratitude for a miraculous body that functions at all, gratitude for a slower pace, for time to reflect on his incredible goodness, for a deeper trust that whatever he chooses for me makes kingdom sense, the reminder that Jesus died in intense agony, so why should I complain? The hope that when all is eternally restored, my healing will be full and complete. And in the meantime, the God of all comfort cheers me on, and I am grateful, and I am gratefully healed of my need to be healed. Your friend, Natalie. God's been doing a healing work in Natalie's life. It's not physical, but it's an important work. And she captures incredibly well what it means to be disappointed, to suffer, and yet to journey on to a deeper understanding, to receive that gradual illumination, to become more and more holy, to be sanctified. 
And it's a powerful, powerful story. But here's the deal. When we read these testimonies, we do. We ask you to stand if you need physical, emotional, relational healing. And we're going to do that today. But today, I believe that there are many of you in the room who have stood over and over. And some of you have even stopped standing. And I get it. Because you're tired of the journey. You're tired of being disappointed. Today, I would ask you to stand again. And yes, I want to pray for your healing, but I also want to bless you with contentment. I want to bless you to understand spirit as comforter. I want to bless you with perseverance and strength to continue on. And I want to bless you with continued gradual illumination of who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And so today, if you are here and you have a need, or you're here and you're disappointed, or you're here and you're talking ugly to God because you feel like he doesn't see you and see what it is that you're walking through, can I invite you, would you stand? We'd love to pray over you this morning. Amen. Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters who are standing right now. Lord, first, I I, I just pray that if it is your will that you would come, that you would bring physical healing, that you would bring emotional healing, that you would bring relational restoration to your people. Lord, I pray that neck pain would dissipate in Jesus' name, that depression would flee, that those that are struggling with knee and hip pain, that it would be gone. Not because of anything that your children have done, but simply because you see them and because you love them. But Lord, I pray for those in this room that are struggling, who are walking through disappointment, who are frustrated, who are wondering where you are and wondering if you have forgotten them and wondering if you see them. And I just, for for those that are standing for that today, I pray contentment over them in Jesus' name. I pray that they would know intimately spirit as the one who comforts, the God of all comfort. I pray that you would bless them with a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, that you would continue, continually illumine to them who you are and your purposes, that faith would arise and that they would know without a shadow of doubt that you have not forgotten them, that you do see them, and that you have purpose in the struggle, purpose in the journey, purpose in their persistence. I bless them with patience. I bless them with persistence. May they know you deeply through the pain. We bless them now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.